0: Welcome to Outside the Music Box. I'm Emma Williams.
1: And I'm Chloe Prendergast. We're so glad you've joined us today.
0: We're both violinists based in the Netherlands and have created this podcast as part of our search to find fun new ways to share and talk about music we love. Each episode, we explore a different piece of music through
1: the eyes of a guest musician. Today's guest is keyboardist Tina Steinbrink, who, along with her twin sister Judith, is co-artistic director of Holland Baroque. We both know her from playing in Holland Baroque, and during COVID, she's been teaching us Dutch over Skype, which has been super fun. She's chosen to bring in Corelli's Concerto Grosso Opus 6, Number 11 in B-flat major.
0: We do our best to define the relevant music-y terms throughout the chat, but because this is our world and we're human, there might be things that we miss. So please let us know what these are, and we'll be sure to clarify them in future episodes. Also, a quick side note that at the beginning of the episode we do get a bit sidetracked talking about Tinica's
1: love of the organ, but we do eventually get to the piece. And don't worry about trying to remember the pieces and recordings we talk about. They are in the show notes, along with a link to a Spotify playlist, so you can go back and listen to all the pieces from this podcast yourself. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy Corelli's Concerto Grosso, Op. 6, Number 11 in B-flat major. Hi. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, on this podcast we like having people start by introducing themselves. So do you mind starting by introducing yourself?
2: Well my name is Tineke Steenbrink. I play the organ and harpsichord. I like to make music with other persons. I like to teach and to share the joy of music in general. Most of the time I'm familiar with Baroque music, but I see music as a general joy.
1: Yeah, and you do you do more and more find yourself uh, learning and exploring other types of music as well, yeah?
2: Yeah, that's true. Because of the ensemble that I play in, it's sort of our natural habitat to play with other people who speak also the same language of music, but in different fields. And I started to learn what are the habits of block music and how it's in different other kinds of music and uh, learning to play with a click track that it can be fun as well and not an enemy <laughs> scary uh, yes and also because of the natural uh, of uh, the instrument harpsichord and organ those are instruments that are uh, made to improvise a lot and then you sort of if you are free to play the notes you wanna grab out of the sky, then there is no limit, sort of. It's only the limit of the the notes that you hear in your head, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I guess as much as you continue to learn or anybody continues to learn and explore different kinds of music, those limits of your mind get bigger and bigger. Yes. Right, like fewer, fewer limits? Maybe that's a better way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel that if I if I sit behind an instrument, my first nature is to play just what I dream, or just to dream away in the instrument. Then I feel the most connected to it. Mm-hmm. I like the most. Sometimes after two minutes, I I get bored and I do something else. But it it's not my first uh, my first step to take a book and to play the book. To that that was in the past, but it's not anymore. No. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and when did that change?
2: Uh, as a child, I, I really fell in love with the organ by only doing that, not playing notes from someone else, but just you know listening to all the stops that a, an organ has, the, the registers, the, all the sounds, and listening to them as individual and then combining them and uh, doing that, that, that game. You don't, you don't need notes. They are in the way, actually.
0: As you just heard Tinika explain, organs work by blowing air through pipes. The various lengths of pipes make different pitches, and the longer the pipe, the lower the pitch. In order to choose which pipes you're using, you pull out different stops that are located by the actual keyboard of the organ. The more stops you pull out, the more pipes are in use. The more pipes that are in use, the more intense
1: and powerful the sound. And fun fact, this is where we get the saying, to pull out all the stops. My favorite thing about organs is that they have a whole extra keyboard at the bottom of the organ that the organist plays with their feet. I just cannot even fathom the amount of coordination and dexterity it takes to be able to play so many different musical lines with your hands and feet simultaneously without losing your balance. Organists are magicians.
2: (laughs) So that's how I started. And then, of course, when I got the lessons, I... Uh, they teach me how to to read the notes and and to, and then to get your technical level. I was doing that for a long time, but then over the years I went back to this first step, and it's it's actually a dream concert that I want to give, but I am still too shy. But to to share an audience how what I hear in an instrument to to just to give a that the program notes is only like prestant. Uh, Kromhorn, uh, Octave Fourfoot, you know, all this, the, these are the names of the stops on the organ, And then, and then I only play as I do when I'm alone to share that, but still to shine.
1: Wow. I would love that concert. Can, can you please do that? <laughs> you can start small, just like start with us. And then we'll just slowly expand.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's scary because sometimes I, I get very in, inspired by a certain sound and I can improvise for a very long time, but I can't promise it, you know? No, I mean, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also, can you talk us
2: through what the stops
1: of an organ are? Like, how does that work?
2: Yeah. It works basically like an orchestra that you have the basic sound, uh, we call that eight foot because the lo- lowest pipe is uh, eight foot long. And then you have, that that would be the, the, the violins until the cello-like. And mm-hmm. then if you take the double bass, which is an octave lower, we call that the 16 foot, because the lowest pipe is 16 foot long. So clever. Yeah. It's uh, it's very simple. And then if you look like the flute, you can have like a piccolo flute, which is half of the length. Then we call it four foot, because the lowest Pipe is four foot, and then you have two foot, tall. so you have the whole spectrum of overtones, let's say, or from the low instruments to the high. And if you put them all together, it's, it's very full and very loud. But like you can also take this eight foot with a very high fifth, it's like it's like for me the sound of a cloud where the sun is behind. You see this little line, this silver line, you know, and the high pipe you can hear then is this silver line. And then you have like reed instruments and flute instruments, string instruments the the organ builders they were uh, imitating everything and uh, like in the seventeenth century, they really liked also nature, like you have one one stop, and if you press it with your foot and it's like storm or or you have like stars, it's a system of little bells that that turn, and uh, I have little birds on the organ, so they you can do anything it it was it must have been uh because they started so early it must have been the biggest machine that people knew and that was super impressive you know how can yeah. someone build this and and to uh to have all the sounds like must have impressed people like the first computer mm-hmm. i guess yeah yeah wow can you do this with this yeah yeah. Um sorry, what's the
0: oldest organ you've ever played? Oh
2: I don't know. I don't I don't really remember. I remember that I thought you would ask this other question, what is the oldest organ? and there is there is this description of the Greeks that they made a water organ that made super loud sound to uh, make the enemy scared. And we have many descriptions, but we did not really uh, make it work yet, because we don't know how they did it with the pressure, and what. Yeah. Yeah. But but the first identity of an organ was to scare people. <laughs> wow. Does that still work? <laughs> well, it did work. Like uh, the the Louis XIV, the, the the French, we call him the. King of the Sun, you know, beating was dancing there. In case you
0: didn't catch that, we're talking about King Louis XIV, who was nicknamed the Sun King. He was the reigning king of France at Versailles for 72 years and 110 days, from 1643 until his death in 1715. He loved music and was also a very accomplished dancer.
2: He uh, he had this special request that when he entered the chapel, the organist had to uh, use the full organ, all the stops, and that's actually too much because the wind pressure is cannot do it. It's not meant to do it, and to use the tremulant. That's that's a system to make the tone uh, shear, and then play really loud. So the organ it it felt like it would felt fell down or something, so in, when he would enter, the, the organist had to produce this super scary sound, yeah. <laughs> I sometimes try to imitate it, but it's it's really awful, it's horrible. <laughs> I have a video of you yeah, doing, doing that this on <laughs> your organ, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's both terrifying and impressive. Well, that's
2: what he wanted. Yeah, Yeah. Clearly. <laughs>
1: the king of france yeah, exactly. you should be both
2: terrified and impressed yeah. <laughs> yeah and for me it's important to share the beauty of organ that it's not only loud because many people have this 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 loud thing that is about power and strength but i for me the beauty is in the soft sounds so if i mm. if i give a concert i i would almost never use the whole the whole all the pipes but to, to show all the softness and it's incredible but that that most of the organs there are built so so well that with one pipe they can fill the whole church, you know. And this filling the the room with soft sounds that uh, impressed me as a child. I, I, I that that for me that's an amazing feeling. Fill room with sound. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Tina just talked about the contrasting sounds an organ can make, both huge and scary, as well as soft and soothing. Here is an example of an organ piece by Bach that you may have heard that's very famous and is often used for scary scenes in movies or as a general theme song for Halloween. <laughs>
0: here's another piece by Bach, he was a really good organist, that is much more calm, soft and soothing. Both pieces were played on the same organ so this just shows how the stops can drastically change the colours, volumes, timbres and characters of organ music. And so, can you tell us about your organ?
1: And what's what's her history?
0: Can
2: you tell us about that? To be honest, we don't. We are not one hundred percent sure. But on her head, she has a crown uh, with colors of red and blue, and that's the crown of the emperor. And we think uh, that after the Peace of Munster, which was around sixteen forty eight, Germany had had a a very difficult time. And then there came this piece of Munster which gave hope for the future. And we think the emperor gave this organ as a gift to a monastery in Belgium where his sister uh, was the Abt, the head of the monastery. Mm. So what is for sure is that this organ is built in Belgium, in Liège. And it came in 1818 with a ship from the river down uh, to Kauk, they brought it. Yeah.
1: To this small, tiny town in the Netherlands.
2: Why Kauk? Oh, well, uh, it's not a tiny town at all. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Looked small when I was there. <laughs> it has a very, very long history. The Roman built a bridge there to go to the, the north of Holland. It's a very important place because it has uh, always, when there is a river and when there is a, a turn, there is one side of the river which is higher. So even before the Romans, there already lived people there. So Kauk has a long history. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you've been playing that organ most of your life, yeah?
2: Yes, yeah. I mean, we became like families. There's no way to separate us anymore because I, 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 yeah. I started to play when I was 14. Uh, she just had a huge restoration. And uh, then I went there all the summer. And then when I was 18, I got the job to, to play there. So all my studies I I practiced there and she, she made me, me, my career sort of. Um, she
1: taught you. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a recording of Tineke playing this organ, which, as you just heard, was built in 1648, probably, and is now in the Sint-Martinus-Kerk in Kauk, Oh my gosh, that sound is very hard in Dutch. Um, it's spelled C U I J K. Also, our friend Matteo pronounces it Kujik. <laughs> anyway, it's in the southeast of the Netherlands, very close to the German border. Here it is. <laughs>
2: And of course I mean if if you play the organ you I'm obsessed by many, many instruments. Like, there's this this website of Schnitke. that's a German organ builder that also built many organs in Holland. And you just can't see all the organs that he built. Like, if I'm a little bit tired, I'm just going to click on all those and I'm going to read which stops he makes. Oh, that's such a nerd. It's amazing. I wouldn't say it's porno, but it's an it's organ
0: porno. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, honey.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I mean, I remember when we were on, when we were doing that tour earlier this year with Daniel lo who's every town, like when we were on the train between every concert, you would be looking at like the organ for the next <laughs> town yeah. to figure out, like, what can I say about this organ in this next city
2: that we're going to? And it's, I mean, the the best holiday for any any of humankind like me organist is that you come into a little village the door is open and we we never ask you know we always we know where the door to the to the organist and if that door is also open and you can find the switch on and then play without asking a little bit illegal you know that's the poorest pure joy ever there is nothing better
1: <laughs> Sneaking into an organ. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And at least a device for people just to now look at organs, like whenever you're in a new little town, sneak into the church and have a look at the organ as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 So, as we've been editing this podcast, it is currently early July, which I think should be summer, but here in the Netherlands, it does not feel like it. It has been very rainy and very windy for far too long, and we're pretty sick of it.
0: Yeah. But uh, we have realised that doing a deep dive into watching internet videos of organists playing in beautiful churches is a perfect rainy day activity. So, if you're in a rainy place like us here in the Netherlands or in the Southern Hemisphere in the middle of winter, would highly recommend. We'll put a link to the All of Bach website, which currently has 107 organ videos. So get on it and send us your favourite organ pieces. Um, now, I hate to take you away from your first love, the organ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: The piece I sent you is, is about luxury sound.
1: Yeah, mm, yeah. Can you tell us about that piece? <laughs> uh,
2: it's a uh, concerto grosso by uh, Arcangelo Corelli. Um, I sent the first movement, which is slow and has this, as we call it, Corelli bass. So there is a certain bass line that is has is named by his first composer, which is Corelli. And uh, the bass line makes little steps up, two steps up, and then go back to the first. And doing that in se- in, at several pitches, and it gives it gives a slow swing sort of. And the chord progression is also slow, but it gives a lot of space to improvise and to fill to fill this slow beat. And that yeah. I, I think is super sexy. It's just amazing. And it is just he he made this baseline that was giving inspiration for a very, very long time. Yeah. And like even if there came in the music history in like a new time, people are always talking about Perolesi to be new and new fashion, blah blah blah. Well, if I listen to his Stabat matter, it has again this baseline. There's nothing changed. It, it is yeah. like so I'm always fascinated by someone who, who starts something and that it's inspiring for people for hundreds of years. I mean, that, that, that those moments are so amazing. And, and also that his idea of making this baseline, it's so perfect and it's so simple. That it's, it's not a complicated discovery or something. It's just in its simpleness, it's, it's adorable.
0: <laughs> mm. yeah how do you feel when you play it? I mean, I guess because you have all of this freedom you um you just see the 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 simple bass line, and um I'm not
2: sure are there numbers for the chords above this bass line in the original yeah part? because what he does is that the bass line has slow progression in the chords, and then you can sort of make little dissonance and then there is so much time to to squeeze all those dissonances so it's 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 the luxury of, of the of the time that gives the uh, di- those dissonances a lot of space yeah. yeah
1: and the dissonances yeah that that creation of enough time to sink
2: into the dissonance and then super effect of relaxation of the dissonance oh and then comes again a new one ooh yeah <laughs> it's yeah yeah Listen out for how the
1: music moves quite slowly. This allows time to sink into the dissonances, which sound painful and crunchy to us. And then when the harmonies resolve, we feel a really great sense of relief.
0: And you talked about seeing colours for music, so you do actually have synesthesia. Um, and do you see a colour for this bass line or
2: what, what What does it conjure up in your mind's eye? Uh, no, the, because the colour is always uh, connected with the tonality. Okay. So it's for the pergolesi a different one than for this one. Right. Like the F, F minor pergolesi beginning is for sure brown, yeah, and this B flat major is 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 uh, is like the um, very light blue, see through blue. Yeah. Wow, like the sea, you know, in the in the in the east of of Europe, that it's so see through, very clear. Yeah. Yeah, clear blue. Yeah. Nice.
0: And so it doesn't does it change the color as the dissonance come and go, or do you have this
2: general blueness of the whole movement for your for you? Mm, it depends. Sometimes there is one particular harmony that changes the color, but there is a gen... I mean in this music there is a general harmony and he doesn't go very far away from the B-flat. That comes later.
1: Um, and when was the first time you played this piece? Do you know?
2: Do you remember? Uh, I think that was during, the, was during my studies when I got to know all this repertoire for the baroque uh yeah in university yeah 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 mm-hmm.
0: and so you played it first without hearing it first
2: yes uh, in my studies and also before i think i listened to four or five recorder recordings that was enough until i was 22 Wow, well, <laughs> i wasn't someone who was was absorbing music through uh through recordings, I went to a lot of concerts also with my parents. I was absorbing in that way, but I was absorbing by playing alone and with my sister and going to concerts, but not not by recordings, not really. No. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Were you playing with other people? When did you first start playing in larger groups?
2: Hmm. From when, when I was 11, I was organist in the church, so I had to carry, I had to get them singing, you know, which is not... Yeah. <laughs> But that was that, then you, you are st- sort of still alone because there is not a there is no talking there is no connection. Uh, so I played a lot with my sister as children, and then the first big groups came in. Yeah, during the studies, uh, I remember Haydn playing Haydn with the modern orchestra from the Utrecht Conservatoire, and uh, that it was so difficult to keep the rhythm because I, as an organist you always play alone. So uh, you're always right right yeah (laughs) but i did before was of course i sang a lot in choirs from when i was very young so this process i i that was was my normal way of making music together was singing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and what do you
1: remember from this from recording this piece this corelli
2: total excitement, like like drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were like over the moon to do it, because the idea of having four harpsichords, four lutes, two organs, I mean, they have this huge group, and I remember the first rehearsal, it was it was a mess, it was those lute players, everyone wanted to play the last note, you know, so you hear like ping, 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 and then someone lost, oh, ping! Ha 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 ha! We first had to had to learn how to how to structure it in a very short amount of time. We we had to find it out. We felt like like kings, like like being called from God. You know, like (laughs) it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, I found it also difficult to to do it. It's, It's when I look back to this music. I mean, it's it's very simple there are no, no complicated chords no complicated rhythms it's it's uh, unique in its simpleness and still to, to to make a recording that was all new so uh it has a double feeling to it
1: yeah and it's really it's simple but it's beautiful yes yeah mm. it's just incredibly beautiful yeah. yeah
0: we um we sort of were thinking that it it is actually the quintessential sound of early music in a way. And I think that, I'm, I'm not sure if you agree, but you were talking about how this bass line then was used and, and carried through hundreds of years. Um, do you think that it, it's kind of the
2: the sound of the Baroque? Yes, I totally agree, yeah. Because this bass line going tum you can do that in a sequence and a sequence like falling a fifth all the time is the key to happiness or to sadness or to emotions you know you can make it's just a circle uh, that is used in pop music a lot as well and uh, yeah absolutely it's super effective yeah. Uh, it
0: really like yeah. it hits your heart, right?
2: <laughs> yes. And I'm now at the moment I'm studying the art of the fugue of Bach and he uses this all the time in the interludes because if you have the beginning of a fugue you have all the entrances of the voices and after that the brain needs some relaxation. And then he always brings this in because then in sequence, oh, we can breathe out again. Then we sort of relax. The ears are clear again. And then he can go for a next round of all the voices that have themes or contrast subjects or the whole
1: whole
2: fugue shit. The whole thing. (laughs) He really gets it going.
0: (laughs) Um, I'd, I'd love to um, go back to your ideas of um, the freedom when you're playing the harpsichord or organ as a continuo player. So when you're playing in the continuo section, we've talked about this in other episodes before, but there's a whole team of people who can make up the bass section of an orchestra and they kind of carry it. They're sort of the bed of the orchestra. Um, I find that so difficult to imagine that, you um, feeling of freedom but then you're still having to work in a team and how how does that change I mean for like this Corelli piece how did you go about finding that that sense of balance with freedom of improvisation, but also fitting into a a team that works
2: well together Wow, well, I would like if I could answer that question I I only can describe it when it doesn't work hmm. <laughs> yeah sure yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like if if it feels that um, if the continual team works well, it feels that you have you walk on the same legs. Mm.
0: Mm.
2: So then you don't have to think like yeah, you just have the same legs, so you walk in the same direction. And uh, if that doesn't work, then it's very complicated.
1: Yeah, we're constantly trying to figure out why does it work sometimes and why does it not work sometimes yeah. when we're playing with other, other people. people? Like, yeah. why does this feel great and easy and um, so together and in sync? And why does this not? Mm. And we, I don't know if we ever really know the answer. Yeah. Um Have you ever played this Corelli with Holland Baroque?
2: Yes, we did. Ah yeah, and we did it with, um, uh, that was funny, Quator Mosaik, that was very funny. We, we, we invited this 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 uh, quartet that is specialized in, in historical quartet playing, and they play Mozart, sometimes Haydn's, like the, the earliest they go. They loved it. They had the week of their lives playing this piece, yeah. Aww. That's so
1: funny. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I would have the week of my life playing this piece, also, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And you feel it in your body whenever you play this music. You just feel it, and you feel like your body is with you, and you kind of get in that sense of flow where everything's working in balance with each other, and it invites you to to just just go and have fun and not think too hard about, you know. Anything really? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And it's one of the situations uh, about the orchestra of Corelli that I would like to see, uh, because when Handel, when he was very young, he travelled to Italy and he was playing continuo in the orchestra of Corelli. Mm. Uh, there's some things in in the past that I really want to be with. you know? I don't want to watch him sitting there and seeing his first experience. You know? Yeah. And then he was copying it very fast because one of his first big pieces is the Dixie Domino's, five voices piece for what he wrote for students, and it's full of Corelli bases, and uh, it's 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 one of the highlights of his work. He was 22, you know. So this this description what of being young and absorbing music that that is a beautiful moment in life.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Are there any other moments in history you'd like to be there as a fly on the
2: wall, as we say? Oh, so many. It's a too open question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's this one situation that that uh, has also to do with acoustics that is fascinating me. I, I think I told you a little bit about it. Are those sound pots in the walls of churches from the 14th century there are churches that are built by the monks, and uh, in the walls there are pots, and they—they they, what we think is that they were tuned, and they give the—they—they they sort of expand the normal acoustics of the chapels and churches uh, by an amount. So you enter a, a church with. The, those pots and if you start to sing a specific repertoire, the pots will even uh, yeah, like a microphone they, they they make the sound so big. And how did people come to this idea? How you how did they try it out? how was it just a uh, like a guess or I'm, I'm, hmm. there's so many things that we will sing this time now we are very clever but in some some things we lost the, the the knowledge and i this is one of the, the things i really would like to know what what, what were the thoughts what were the experiments um, uh, because it's all spread all over europe we find from the same time period this 14th century i mean that's long ago huh? very long ago yeah <laughs> uh, you can find those pots and um, yeah so there are certain um, certain post stamps in the musical history that, that that are always with me. And if I see it in something, oh I, say, oh, I see one. And then I put it on the list of churches of sound p- pots, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and what can I do with it? Do you have a list?
2: Yes, yes, yes. I have a list, yeah. Can you send us that list? <laughs> <laughs> I can. Okay, great. And I mean, Facebook <laughs> is great for this kind of knowledge yeah. or, or, or collecting knowledge because... Uh, you know it's 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 not a serious research that i'm doing because that i, I can't i don't it's not my field but it's like research for hobby and for just just because of curiosity and just this fascination is great and yeah. uh and also fun if, if if you use facebook for this because other other weirdos like me they they. <laughs> You can see all oh, others are even more fascinating, you know, and fascinated yeah. by the same. When you got huge texts of people and stuff, <laughs> you feel like you're not alone. <laughs> no, it feels it feels that like I'm in a community. Or
1: yeah, well, I didn't. Facebook sort of help out with this. Maybe it wasn't Facebook, um, but figuring out that this book you were looking for uh, about Utrecht in the was it. Sixteenth century for research you were doing is used in the Harry Potter library. That's like my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing that we found out recently
2: <laughs> in the movies. Uh, no, it, yeah, it, in the movies, it, it was just uh, Google. That was just Google. It was just okay. Google. Because this wow. second thing that that popped up was that the book I was searching was in the library of Harry Potter. Well, that first that took me like half an hour to understand <laughs> that information. <laughs> <laughs> because first I thought it's true, yeah. Because it's it's a real website where you can sh- sh- the book is there. Oh oh, sh- oh oh, it's Corona time. Maybe it's closed. To the the library of Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me quite a while, and then I started to think. I realized it's not true. It's not real. It's not. It's true, but it's not real. How? How? and this the second question is absolutely not important for any musical reasons but if you are a human being those questions they come how come in this film of harry potter how come yeah but don't bring me on the idea to 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 find this out please okay it's (laughs) fine don't don't worry there are plenty of people on facebook who'll do it for you it's okay
1: (laughs) We keep trying to find, see that the book in the library when we watch Harry Potter, but so far we haven't okay. seen it, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. So we'll keep you posted.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: In our serious <laughs> endeavor to research Harry Potter movies.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's
0: go back to the piece.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm yeah, sorry. Is there, oh, in, in your, is there in your
0: podcast a lot of giggling? Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, yes. Yeah. There's always some,
1: yes. (laughs) Almost, almost always there's a fair amount. Always. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) It shows we're having a good time. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's our podcast is really just us hanging out and having chats with people that we like. So that's, that usually involves a fair amount of giggling.
0: Yeah. So, um, okay. I have, uh, a story that goes through my mind when I listen to this Concerto Grosso. Shall I tell you what my story is for the five movements? Okay. So the first movement, (laughs) I feel like it's a sunrise. Everything's just starting to come up. Like things are, it's simple. It's just starting to build slowly. Like you can see the sun's coming up. The birds are starting to chirp. Everyone's like stretching, getting out of bed. The light's coming And then the second movement, it goes very contrasting. Like it's a very energetic, dramatic second movement, right? It just explodes with energy. And I feel like that's kind of like the hustle and bustle of the the start of the day. You know, you've had your coffee, you're ready to go. We're going to (laughs) start setting up the ballroom for the dance tonight. Like it's all go, go, go. And then the third movement then slows down again and we're, we're having a bit of a rest. We're going to have this afternoon siesta because we have to save our energy for tonight. And, um, you know, maybe we're a little bit worried. We're like, oh, I'm not sure if it's going to work out. Are people going to like me? Am I going to find a husband? I'm not sure what's going to happen at the ball, <laughs> you know, because there's a little bit of uncertainty in that third movement. Um, but, but it's okay. Like we're just resting. And the fourth movement is this saraband, which is this beautiful dance, and it he really follows all the rules here, and it's all just very fits in the box. Everyone's wearing their beautiful dresses. They're at the ball. The gentlemen are in their suits, and um, and everyone's dancing to this, and they're sort of courting each other in that subtle way without saying anything. And then the fifth movement is this jig and everyone's a bit drunk. It's the end of the night. We've taken our shoes off. We've gone out into the courtyard and we're just having one last dance before we all fall over and pass out. So that's my story. Any thoughts? It's perfect.
2: Okay, great. It's perfect. <laughs> and, and of course that is, has to do with a, a long development of how a suite is built up, right? There's a the first the Prelude, then there's the allemande, the, the Courant, and the Jig. I mean, just as you describe uh, the, the, the f- follow-up of the suite, that took like 100 years to develop to a perfect, perfect lineup.
1: Hmm.
2: Why would you change that? It's just perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. That's one of the things that I'm, that, that uh, if you look at the ouverture of a handle, hmm. it ends up many times with a minuet, which is quite hmm. a downer after the, then you have like, Because it's like it's down, (laughs) and this is also one of the things in history. Because uh, there's something, there must be something that we don't understand about it. It's there all the time, so it must have worked. Maybe it Mm. was a bridge that to something that we don't know. I just it's still a lack of knowledge for myself. Mm. The only knowledge I have is that I know it's always there, so it must work. We had, I mean,
1: we had that with uh, the Telemann concerto that we played with um, Aislin in February, right? That it's this big violin concerto in the first movement. Everyone clapped so yeah. loud every single night after the first movement, which is like in classical music, like, ooh, not supposed to clap after the first movement. <laughs> um, <laughs> and everyone went wild every concert. Then there's a beautiful second movement. And then there's a minuet that ends it. It's the same thing.
2: Yeah.
0: In this time, musical suites like this Concerto Grosso followed a fairly standard order of dance movements. Usually they ended with an upbeat jig, like in this Corelli.
1: But sometimes they ended instead with a calmer minuet, like in the Telemann Frog concerto we were just talking about. we're wondering here why some composers chose to finish with what we would consider to be a bit of a downer movement. And I remember we were talking about it at one point. I'm not sure if it was Aislin. Somebody said, well, yeah, you know, like the whole point then was to, this music was meant to really get people to feel a lot of different emotions. That was, that was the point of music was to move, move mm. the passions. Right. And that mm. the weren't always supposed to end up so riled up. And so the minuet was sort of to calm people back down. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's too dangerous, right? If we... Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous yeah. if we leave and we all feel too much, right? Yeah. Mm. So um, if you have a nice minuet at the end, it sort of calms everybody down and lets everybody to leave in a way that they are much more um, put together, mm-hmm. right? Than they would be. I don't know. I think that must be like at least some part of it. Yeah. I don't know if it's everything, but
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Tini, do you have any other sort of adjectives or emotions that you associate with this piece?
2: Well, that, that's so great about our profession. It's of course also connected about the memories of doing it, you know? Yeah, of course. And uh, <laughs> that's one. Uh, so as I told you we were invited to play on the early music festival Utrecht, which was a great honor. And uh, in that days I was wearing lenses and sometimes the glasses. But in the afternoon before the concert, I was preparing a soup and I took a chili. I took a chili and I, uh, cut it with my fingers, and after eating the soup, I put in my lenses. Ow, ow, ow. And, you know, I was so looking forward to this concert, so proud as being a young musician in my own hometown at the the last, you know, the evening concert, the last concert, and... uh, so looking forward, not using my glasses because my eyes they get. I, 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 at that time, I had minus eight, so my eyes they get super tiny, super super tiny, and uh, and then I okay, I, I, I didn't work because my eye was I was crying like hell. So I cleaned the lenses with my finger, <gasps> oh. and then I tried again, and so th- th- there was no. I was I was crying, and uh, even in the in the rehearsal before the. Of course, I was wearing my glasses because there was no way to put in the lenses. And then uh, I was crying even in the rehearsal. <laughs> I couldn't put any makeup up And it was all... I mean, you want to look, you want to you wanna feel good in your body. And part of being a musician is also that you look good, you know, you feel good. Yeah, you're on stage and people are looking at you and yeah. Yeah. So this, I remember, I also think about this chili when I listen to this CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: oh, you poor thing
1: <laughs> okay we have one final question that we ask everybody at the end of every interview and um we would like to know is there a piece from another instrument's repertoire that you're really jealous of yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> tell us about it String quartet in general. I mean, I get already sad that I will never play in a string quartet. I mean that that yeah. I would. I really. I'm super sad. Even if I go to a concert with a string quartet, I don't feel totally comfortable because I'm just jealous. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it. Is, uh,
1: yeah. It is the greatest thing. It is one of the greatest feelings in the world is playing in a string quartet. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I'm, I can see it. I can, uh, yeah. Do you
1: have a specific piece that you love that's in that repertoire?
2: Uh, is this long, it's actually a string quintet, isn't it? For Schubert, this big one. The trout. Yeah. Oh my god. But also the just because my sister played it on her exam is the Haydn the the with the fifth. Da 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 this yeah. Mm. But many, I mean it's 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 just amazing how composers in the development of of this string quartet, how if you look at Beethoven, how extreme I mean, it's incredible how every composer finds his answer on this beautiful, perfect. Setting of string players. Yeah, yeah. The Schubert is very emotional to me. This Schubert Quintet is. Uh, yeah. Why? because you you can hear that he's through the notes he's screaming at me. Listen to my story. Listen to me. Yeah. I, I I'm suffering and 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 I also in my suffering I see beauty and he's it's just like I can hear the composer just. Like he's just asking my attention all the time. That's that's what I feel when I listen to it. Well, that's why I
0: did it for my final recital as well. For my final master recital, I played it, and it's
2: uh, and I researched it for my thesis. I I love that piece. I don't know anything about the background, but it's just to me super personal. Yeah, yeah. the same feeling I have with with professional singers, singers with a good education that really can sing. That's the same jealousy as on the string quartet i must say mm-hmm. yeah yeah but here you go this is my choice as a as a girl i fall in love with the organ and that's it yeah that is beautiful that will bring me it will bring me enough joy uh yeah
1: absolutely um and how can we best get our listeners to support you and find your stuff and get in touch with you
2: do you know that this this question is n- not at all in my mind
1: <laughs> I can answer it for you
2: yeah I do because it's, it's, not, it's not part of my system at all
1: okay, Tinica is one of the um, directors of Holland Baroque and so the best way to go find her and support her is to go to hollandbaroque.com and uh, there are tons of recordings there and uh, lots of other fun things and you can find concerts also
0: and also at the yep. moment, um, just because we may as well put this out there, um is still fundraising money to support musicians during Corona time. So um, on the website you can find information for leaving donations to um, Holland Baruch to help our musicians um, because we are out of a lot of work at this time and any help is great. <laughs> go to the link in our show notes for Holland Barock and then you can also see Tini playing harpsichord and organ and harmonium and a few other things fun things melodica <laughs> <laughs>
1: great thank you so thank much you. for joining us Tinka yeah. thank Thanks you so,
0: so much, much. much for tuning
1: into Outside the Music Box. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Tineka Steinbrink. If so, please rate and review this podcast and tell all your friends about it. It really makes a difference in the algorithm of the internet magic and helps our visibility. We'd also love to hear from you. If you have any questions
0: or want to share music that you love, you can write to us at concerts.musicbox at gmail.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Music Box Concerts. We're definitely keen to hear from you, so please write in with comments or questions and we'll get back to you.
1: In the show notes, we've included links to three Spotify playlists, one specifically for the pieces in this episode and the others for all the pieces we've talked about on this podcast so far. However, we really encourage you to purchase music in order to support the artists. The best way to support Tinica is going to the Holland Baroque website, where you can also donate to help musicians with cancelled work due to the COVID crisis. We'll link these in the show notes as well. See you next time, outside the music box.